que canto la noche entera Embrujando los callejeros Hasta el amanecer Yo sigo, sigo bailando Con los espíritus amados Te juro por mi And welcome to the Two Red Gringos, the LC podcast for the rest of us. I am your host, Phil Baki, and back amongst the living now <laughs> is my co-host, Pat Staley. Pat, I I have to start off with this. Uh, you were you were uh, I'll say MIA uh, for about a twenty-four hour period, and uh, I just I need you to talk us through your journey back <laughs> back to the. <laughs> Back from the underworld. Uh, so, what happened on Friday? It's it's been rough, and it's been lingering up to this day with a combination of factors. The biggest one being uh, the French couple that lives above us got married and had it in our apartment complex. The last time I think we they had a party. <laughs> I think I don't know if this was through Twitter or just a general conversation between you and I. But the last time the French couple threw a party, I ended up being put to bed after being just obliterated on Mezcal, uh, decapitating a Trump pinata to let them know exactly where I stood as an American, uh, and throwing the head off of our balcony onto the streets of Mexico City. Um, <laughs> luckily, there was no pinata involved this time, but equal amounts of mezcal as that. And I was just, you know, when you get to this age, if you don't hydrate pop properly, if you don't have a couple Advil before you go to bed, the next day is just done for you. And so I must not have done either of those things. I thought I was being proactive and put myself to bed. I was like, oh, maybe it's like 12 o'clock, one o'clock at night. It was already like four in the morning. But I did put myself to bed, at least, as, as opposed to being forced to bed last time. But then I woke up the next day just not being able to function. And I thought something was seriously wrong because part of it was Friday was the first time I had worked out at a gym for, I'm going to say, at least 365 days. And so I had <laughs> That's this, a like, conservative estimate. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, no, actually, I'm doing myself some favors with that estimate. But... So I, I have the the crippling soreness starting to set in of somebody who had not done any type of physical activity like that for over a year. And adding to the pain, and I was much maligned for this on Twitter, was my decision to go with Little Caesars, Crazy Bread, and uh, Deep Deep Pepperoni. And it is crushing me today. <laughs> so I have what might be a two-day hangover mixed with the stomach issues of mass mass amounts of chilaquiles and Little Caesars. Is Little Caesars a go-to? Is that is that a a remedy that you've you know reached out for in the past? Is that your life it's, raft that you've cl yes. clung to? It, it's it's a life raft that's like half deflated. But it's <laughs> 
<laughs> but for some reason, it seems all that's floating around out there. This is your, this is your door <laughs> in the North Atlantic. <laughs> true, true story is that there was one hungover day where the missus and I went down to uh, like the Frida Kahlo neighborhood, all that. And I was feeling so rough, but, you know, she was like pushing me, pushing me. We got to go out. We got to go out. And then the tide turned. Like my hangover lifted. Hers started settling in right around the time that we got to the Little Caesars down there. (laughs) And we went with crazy bread, but not before she threw up in the Little Caesars bathroom and then walked out double fisting crazy bread. So, I mean, it doesn't help, but no, I was going to say it doesn't hurt, (laughs) but it it literally hurts right now. (laughs) Well, I think anyone listening to this probably uh, has been in the situation that you've just described where either you've had a a whole day hangover for sure or you've been in a public place extremely hungover. Um, (laughs) And one of the best ways that we all know to deal with a hangover that severe is with a little hair of the dog. So with that, (laughs) It's time for our our regular segment of Pick Your Poison. How are you taking the edge off um, on your second consecutive day of hangover? The the hair of the dog, can it also be a food? Because what I didn't say was like the 3 a.m. snack that I was consuming Friday night was uh, like two or three platefuls of chilaquiles. <laughs> so I – I'm pretending tomorrow just or yesterday just didn't happen, right? That was just a life or a day taken from my life. So today is my bounce back day because I still feel a little hungover. But I am going with one of my favorite selections now. I've talked about uh, the Kolimita Lager in the past, and it's been my poison several times. But now they have this sleek like graphite can. Oh my! What you might normally see from like a Michelob Ultra. A Stella, an Amstel light, like really tall and slender. Um, and I really – I had the option of going with the bottle, but I specifically picked this in the hopes that it will anger uh, both you and, and Dan Staley for its, <laughs> for its Mick Ultra looking ways. But no, solid beer inside. And I'm actually – I'm digging the cans lately. Yeah. I'm back on cans. Normally I'm a bottle draft guy, but right. I'm back to the cans now. All right, back to the cans. And going straight from the can, which is like, I mean, you're in your own home, so that's a you know that's a choice. Like, <laughs> I've got the option. Right, you could pour it into a glass, no issues. But you're going straight from the can, and I, I, there's a level of respect there. If you're going can, like you pull from the can, like there's no reason. It if you have the option of bottling can, like some. <laughs> <laughs> some specifically I'm thinking like some that only you can only purchase certain craft beers usually out of a can right right yeah so I I was staring there or standing there staring the refrigerator in, in my face and I said I can buy these sleek yuppie cans or I can just do you know what normal beer drinkers do and usually go for a bottle or or pour it but no Straight from the sleek can. Straight from the can. So, I mean, that's – I think that adds a little bit of of credibility to your hangover as well because you're just, you're just getting it how, how you can. There's no just, – Just getting it done. Yeah. There's, this is about survival, <laughs> not about 
not about comfort, that, not about that sums up Little Caesars too. Yeah, at the same time, <laughs> it was it was a hail mary <laughs> pass, uh, and it was you're just trying to climb out of out of the depths at that point. So, <laughs> I, I mean, I have been in that situation more recently than I care to admit. So that yeah. it is, you are not alone in in the whole day hangover uh, and change. Um, I experienced one of those. I mean, within the last. I would say two months of yeah, I on, had one of those. On the reg. Yeah. On the reg is is what <laughs> is what the listeners have come to expect. Anyway. I also think it's extremely cool that your neighbors got married at the apartment complex. And we are also doing the same. Right. In November, which of course you right. have been invited to. Well, I do appreciate that. Uh for those of you listening, you are not invited, likely, unless <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, I don't think so. No, I don't think. No, it's a most, small, intimate affair. It is, yeah. Um, so, for for me, I went I went with a a brewery that's that's treated us <laughs> treated us well. I don't know. That's <laughs> that's not correct. Um, is that us? Have we both shared and enjoyed? This is a uh, this selections is a, from this brewery. This is a new uh, a new one from Deschutes. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, and uh, it's a variation on the fresh squeezed called the fresh haze. Oh, okay. So it's a hazy IPA, and uh, it's pretty low, low bitterness, like very, very drinkable. Um, so yeah, it's just a good, solid, solid brew. Um, Deschutes. I don't know. I don't know why. I think I think it was Dan originally who got me turned on to the to the fresh squeezed in the first place. So credit where credit's due in this case. <laughs> I was worried that the coloration of it looked uh, maybe I don't want to go like, you know, farmhouse ale or some type of sour ale. No. Can't do but, it. But um can't do it. But yeah. But also just uh, can't, <laughs> can't do it. Can't do it. <laughs> can't do it. Also, we for the listeners out there at home, we both have just held up our cans and when I said if you have the can that's the only way to go. Yet you are pulling yours from, from the pint glass. I am. Yeah. No, I I always pour my beers out though. Like I'm that jackass at somebody's house where I'm like, hey, can I get a? <laughs> yeah, that's you. No, I mean if I'm drinking, if I'm over at somebody's house drinking like free beer, I'm not asking for I'm not asking for glassware. But um, uh, I don't know. We'll see about that. It depends on how well I know. We'll see. <laughs> How well I know him. I think it also depends on the beer too. Like if you yeah. if you've just got the the yuppie lager, <laughs> then we're good with that, right? Right. If yeah. you've got something that requires a little bit more effort, then right? Then you, you gotta pour, you gotta pour it out. Otherwise, you're just not you're not doing yourself any any favors. <laughs> so, um, all right. So now I guess we should probably. I don't want to talk about that. This is I I want to obviously because we're a podcast and that's what occurs here we talk about <laughs> liverpool games That's our but, thing. but this this game okay so my only way to san- to sum up this this whole affair is just it's goddamn manchester united right <laughs> um so do you have i just want to get your your first thoughts like general thoughts about about the game and kind of try to I don't know. Like, what did this feel like watching it? Um, it felt like eating Little Caesars. 
when you met survival mode. Man, he was just in survival mode. And we didn't take advantage of it. it literally today, I, I don't know, maybe I was just complaining or whining too much, but we saw half a match. Like that first half, nothing really happened. And that's not even really an exaggeration, right? Like all – really about four injuries because Rashford never went off five with Firmino. And just the overall style of play, I mean, it, it, it speaks volumes, I think, about where both clubs are right now. But, you know, being dissatisfied coming away with a point from Old Trafford and going top of the table. But it was just so, so bad, so poor. Uh, maybe from a defensive and midfield perspective, we were able to easily control it. But then that's where everything just started falling flat, and it just kind of played right into United's hands as far as they were clearly happy to come away with a point and didn't really feel like <laughs> – I mean they were literally just gifting the ball back to us over and over and over again, yeah. and we couldn't do anything with it. And then you know, rinse and repeat the same thing would happen over and over again. So just terrible, terrible match. Survival mode, and we could take advantage. Yeah, the – it's funny because I feel like with United happy to come away with a point at home, and this is the only thing that I'll mention from like a United perspective, because we're gonna focus on on Liverpool in our in our deep dive. I don't I don't care to talk about um, Manchester United more than we have to, but the fact is we played them today. So um, <laughs> the this this setup or this approach to a match is nearly identical to the way that Mourinho would have set up for this same match. Oh, yeah. So the thing that grinds my gears about United's whole feeling around the club right now is that the only reason that anyone is giving Solskjaer any credit is because he's a former player. Yeah. And if it if any other manager, especially if it was still Mourinho had set up like they did today and played the way they did today, conceding almost 70% of the possession to Liverpool at Old Trafford, they would have been raked over the coals. They would yeah. have been, you know, they would have wanted their head on a pike outside outside of the gate. Um, and and yet we walk away today, oh, you know, good tactical performance by, by United to get a <laughs> point against Liverpool. It's absurd. It's crazy. Yeah. And I just, the narrative surrounding it is nuts. Um and I'm not saying that Liverpool were good today. I'm not saying they d- even deserved anything from the game the way that, the way that we played. Um, but I just don't understand how anyone on the United side is walking away from that. Like, well, okay, we just got we just got basically overpowered by PSG at home, and then we went into a match yeah. with Liverpool ex- expecting to get beat and just hoping to come away with a draw. Um, and that is. I don't know. To me, if I was United, if I was a United fan, I would I would not be thrilled with the approach. Well, especially just some of like the the decision to bring Lingard on, who's who's obviously injured. It, yeah, <laughs> like it, it's just mind numbing. <laughs> like if you're struggling with it, like if that was like the first one, right? Right. Maybe, but still probably not ridiculous. So this this notion that they like had some heroic performance and clung to it. They're still bringing like some some big names off yeah. their bench too. This yeah. isn't a, you know a lower level side that's stretched thin. Right. They've got plenty of ammunition on the bench, and throughout it, they just 
sat back. It was, you know, played it long to Rashford. Lukaku tried to go down and and see what they could get from uh, a, a set piece or a delivered free kick. And yeah, it, it was a, a typical typical Mourinho performance. I don't know who posted it, but it was the, uh, you know, it looks more like Mourinho gave the the pre-match talk <laughs> that Ferguson. Ferguson yeah. but, but that's that's what it was. It was just one of those in the past few years where we've gone up against United, clearly been the better team or clearly the team that wants to go for it and just didn't get the result. Yeah. So it all started, obviously, with, you know, the starting 11. And so when that lineup is announced, my, you know, my initial reaction was obviously, I think the whole, the reaction to every, of everybody that Milner was in was surprise. Um, and I think a lot of people expected Kate to, to start. And that was kind of my, my tweet when the lineup was announced. But yeah. The Milner selection in particular, do you think that Klopp was trying to protect Trent? Or do you think this is a, a case of Trent uh, not being fully fit and it, tur- you know, it turns out that maybe he was struggling with something um, and that's why Milner's been selected? I think, no, because they, they almost made a point to talk about it in a press conference. or not, I don't know if it was a press conference or it was just on the Echo prior to the match. But just Klopp kind of explaining some of the tactical decisions. Um, you don't usually get it like that specific about a certain player or anything like that. And it was pretty much open about, you know, we've got a busy week ahead of us. I think part of it might have been Milner's experience playing into that and how it was an easy decision to make. But no, I think he's looking at, you know, the next couple of matches and using using Trent in that situation too. So beyond that... When I saw the midfield, I was I was kind of happy <laughs> happy with it. Yes, we uh, would have loved to see Kaita, but you know, for a big match like that, might be the type of midfield that we want. If this is like City, Arsenal, Spurs, maybe even Chelsea, you look at that midfield and say we want to control it. We'll probably create from the press. In uh, that, maybe it was just Firmino going off, but that's where it really felt flat because this wasn't the United team that. <laughs> That, like you said, like Ole had had like prepped them up this attacking, like free playing side. It was a Mourinho style performance, and in that case, we needed even when Shakiri came on, we needed Naby in there earlier, or we needed maybe Fabinho pushing up uh, a little bit more because it was typically Henderson uh, that I saw on the right or Wijnaldum as well um, with Fabinho uh, more reserved back there. But but yeah, it was uh, it looked like the right call. But we should have known better that <laughs> we should expect this type of United performance. And in the end, it just fell flat. Yeah, well, I think we'll talk about it a little bit more, but uh, a little bit later. But I do think the you can't really account. I mean, you can't really plan for an injury as kind of freakish as, as Firmino's was. So that midfield functions best if Firmino is is in the team uh, yeah to me and so I think I think that it's it's a fine selection as far as the midfield I think I think the Milner selection and we can talk about it a little bit more later on too but I think the Milner selection is is only bad or seems bad because of how involved he ended up being in the game and it's how free he played <laughs> yeah and I mean, he obviously did not play well um, 
but you can't really say that, you know, because it, it wasn't as obvious as his selection against Crystal Palace where he was kind of forced into the right back yeah. role. And now he's up against Zaha and he's struggling. He's doing extremely poorly. It, it didn't really have anything to do with that because he did fine in terms of winning back possession and not getting, you know, beat too bad. Um, yeah. He got roasted by Pogba once. One where time, I, yeah. Where it almost looked like he wanted him to run by. <laughs> like it was, it was that bad. Where I'm thinking, <laughs> Milner had this. Like Milner have money in in this match against LSC. <laughs> he got beat that poorly. But but yeah, I think defensively we were good. You could say the same thing if we're going to fullbacks like Robertson as well. Like Robertson might look either the the game didn't flow that way, or you know people lately have said he, he, you know he's not up to the standard that he was before. He's been defending incredibly well. Uh, offensively I, I it just didn't look like it was in the cards of the game plan uh this match too but yeah, yeah both Milner especially just so limited in what he was able to offer going forward yeah and I think I think that's what makes the Trent decision so magnified um in a match like this but you know, we could yeah. be talking in a couple of games well thank God that Trent was available or you know healthy and and fit for yeah. Uh, two games against Watford and Everton where we have to play twice in a week and and two teams will will struggle to break down. But we'll talk about that in a bit. Speaking of the defense, it was the one bright spot in the match. We keep a clean sheet at Old, at Old Trafford, which feels like a rare <laughs> a rare occurrence. <laughs> um, so we do have to acknowledge it, and I want to start there. So I'll, I'll start with the center backs. I mean, we all expect Verge to be to be you know dominant back. Uh, at center back and, and they got no joy out of him. But Joel Matip as well today, uh, I thought had an extremely solid performance. Oh, my, especially that first half, like that was his, his run into the area. And I, we both rate Matip, but I also love seeing, seeing the gifts on Twitter of, you know, like two people in a coat walking down the street or, you know, some gangly animal <laughs> running because it, it does kind of look like that. But Matip has been solid. He has been good. Um, and, of course, we're talking about him as if Van Dyke didn't put in, you know, another world-class performance where just nothing gets through. Because yeah. if this match is pre-Van Dyke, pre-Allison, we don't win this match, right? Because, one, Lukaku's able to boss either Lovren or maybe Matip if he's isolated – uh, but also, like Mignolet or Carius, definitely lets in that Lingard chance as well, too. So I think we always have to start with that. We can't gloss over the performance of Al- Alisson and Van Dyke, but yeah. we're just so used to him at this point. But I think Matip is kind of the talking point, and it's back on the, the wave has now shifted to where the vast majority of the fans know that what I think we've both known is that he's ahead of Lovren every single time on the team sheet. Yeah, the um I I think in terms of the in terms of his defending, he's been he's been more or less faultless in my opinion like recently. Um yeah. obviously today he was a little bit lucky with the offside and he puts the ball in the back and you know, <laughs> into our net. <laughs> um but it is offside. It's it's correctly called. But yeah. I, I think where I'm most impressed with our center backs is they stop. And I, I think this has to be coached 
um, to a certain extent, or at least encouraged. They stop entrances into the final third rather than reacting to them. Yeah, and I think that is has become kind of a vital part of our game where they step up to cut things out rather than, and they're confident to win the ball too, rather than trying to drop back and make that last ditch tackle a yeah. la Lovren, Skirtle, you know, defenders down the years. Yeah, well, that's what we're seeing now from Matip more, right? And even even Lovren, who's been better. And I think Van Dyke has that effect because confidence organization is so important defensively. And even moving forward a bit, Fabinho being able to just kind of drop back and also protect because we didn't always have that, right? If one if one center back was performing well, then a, a player like Lukaku might just shift. They might go out wide. They drop. They might come up a little bit. And Fabinho kind of negates that because he's so good physically and in the air as well. But on to that point of organization, yeah. <laughs> I, I am terrified of our set-piece defense. It is, it is near flawless, but it terrifies me. West Ham took advantage of it. I thought United were going to do that today. Yeah. The, the initial Pogba chance should have been flagged for offsides. I don't know how it wasn't. Right. But then the other ones, I, it's it's so close, and I just don't know how. Maybe that Pogba chance was the chance where we should have been burned. I don't know how we haven't been burned or teams haven't cracked that yet, especially after West Ham had a little bit of success with it. But I, right. it's just full, <laughs> full-on pucker. Every time there's a set piece, <laughs> even like the midway point, the half forward to closer to the goal. So it's terrifying. And it's funny because set pieces are terrifying for a completely different reason than they used to be, which is we'll, we're definitely about to concede a goal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's it's nice in a, in a way, but it is it is terrifying. It's a, it's a VAR defense, right? Like yeah. it, is a, oh, it is a system that is going to be flawless when var is introduced <laughs> but until then the line you are relying on a, a human linesman to make that call and we close, were extremely close calls we were extremely lucky on this on the smalling offside where matup did actually score the own goal um flagged for offside um we were extremely lucky because that was a tight call it, oh yeah it was offside certainly but a human linesman spotting it is just leaving it up to him is tough. Um, and, yeah. and so once VAR is introduced, well, I think it'll be fine. <laughs> but yeah, we do definitely have some moments where it's uh, hoping that hoping that the referees are, are getting things right. Um, yeah. But in, to our to our credit, that line has been extremely disciplined uh, to to this point um there's only been a few times even this i would say this whole season where someone hasn't held yeah the line and and given an opponent an opportunity and even from open play versus um versus the set pieces no yeah just defensive organization is nothing like even this year like we haven't seen that never saw it under rogers didn't see it in the first few years of Klopp. so maybe it took somebody like van dyke you know, being back there to organize, to marshal the defense in a way where we can do that consistently. Even even against West Ham where it kind of caught us, they kind of rolled off rolled off Keita and, right. you know, kind of held him a little bit. Just, you know, could have been defended better, but it, you know, shit happens sometimes. Uh, but no, I'll, I'll continue to <laughs> have my heart racing anytime those things, or anytime we're set up to defend uh, any sort of set piece. 
So speaking of a heart racing moment, um, the the one real moment of the whole match where it felt like we were about to concede was when Lukaku played through Lingard, who uh, took just one extra touch to try to go around Allison, and we saw for not the first time this season Allison's incredible technique uh, when he slides out uh, and you know rushes towards attacking players. Yeah. Um, and he wins the ball perfectly uh, as he slides out, adjusting to Lingard's positioning um, <laughs> as he's sliding and, and wins the ball. Is is there a better is there a keeper that's better at that that you've ever seen? That. And granted, this is limited in scope, but it just in recent looking at those sorts of plays, I was just mesmerized in the slow motion replay because he doesn't even touch Lingard really. Like kind of a part of his hand kind of graces his foot after he's cleared it. And I was just like, how how can you have that much control over that like hundred mile per hour moment <laughs> that he's able to just kind of sweep the ball through, not touch Lingard. Not that I'm gonna root for any injuries, but then Lingard goes down injured. Yeah. <laughs> afterwards too. I'm not going to necessarily cheer for that, but I hate Jesse Lingard. So there you go. I mean, everybody yeah. who is not a United fan, I think, I think does. Um, Actually, we haven't given one of our favorites, Stan, a shout out in a while. And this true. is probably the shout out that he wants. Yeah. But I believe he's a Lingard fan. Is he? I, I think so. <laughs> um, it, and, and I'm not cool with that. But we love Stan, so no, we'll let that's, it be. Yeah. No, we'll, I mean, we'll, we'll allow it. I think Lingard gets, gets uh, credit from other fan bases because he has some type of – he has fun, I guess, with the game. I hate it. Like, his dances, <laughs> all that stuff, really hate. But, I mean, at, on, the same, on the same token, I would, I would assume that a lot of people – who are rival fans feel the same way about about you know Firmino, uh, kind of doing his crazy <laughs> celebrations. I don't think they're as douchey no, as no. as Lingard or or Deli Alley. Like I lump them into the kind of the same category. Yeah, um, where they try to make up you know cool celebrations. Yeah, it's and stuff. so it's forced. Just, like yeah. even Pog, like Pogba probably does it on like the grandest scale but even like with Pogba it's like I don't know it's part of it's part of a natural like big persona with him so when Lingard does it I'm like dude you're you're Jesse Lingard like you score five goals a season like nobody's getting this excited about it tone it down that's all we're saying (laughs) just have a have that personality that's equal to your skill level so yeah. that's that's even what like even like Griezmann, like Green Griezmann's are are pretty embarrassing and over the top. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, all right, dudes, dudes banging in twenty plus goals a season. So right, I'll let it slide. So um, we brought up a little bit ago. We brought up the fullbacks, um, and Robertson. You mentioned is is. He's kind of come under a little bit of criticism recently uh, from LFC Twitter, which, you know, you can you got to take a grain of salt with it. Everybody comes under criticism <laughs> on LFC Twitter. 
not not just players even that that's literally every account every yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um anyone involved is coming under criticism but the uh, the question that I'm going to ask is is Robertson as kind of untouchable as he has been over the last about year and a half now where he's been kind of the one player that is kind of above reproach. Yeah. Maybe maybe Verge fits into this now that he's been here almost a full or you know over a full year. Um but is Robo now kind of creeping back into now he's he's not this kind of novelty that we have a solid left back now he has to be you know, seven, eight out of ten every match to, oh, yeah. to avoid the criticism? Well, he does, and it's uh, – I think he does – it's hard to say this because it's just the eye test. We should have dug deep to see, you know, what are what are the chances that he's been creating recently. I'd venture to say it's not as high just because he was performing so well at the start of the season. And he plays every single match. I had the hottest, shittiest take uh, in some time a few matches ago where I called for <laughs> – this is my thing, calling for fullbacks that aren't performing to play. And I call for Moreno. I was like, maybe yeah. Moreno could use a start <laughs> because it's either Robertson needs a rest or maybe he needs a little you know, kick in the ass. But defensively, he's been rock solid, right? Like even today, previous matches, defensively he's been good. He just hasn't looked, hasn't looked as much of a threat. And I think he's just behind Salah, right, in terms of overall, like, quality chances created this season. Um, Certainly one of the best on the team. Yeah, exactly. And so especially for a fullback. And so you wish that the space that Milner had today, hopefully Robertson would have had that space. Or if Trent was on for Milner, then, then he has that too. But I don't know. There's certainly some criticism that could be leveled at Robertson. If we're comparing a standard now to what it was not not too many weeks ago. Um, <laughs> but for me, you know what I like in a fullback. I like a fullback that can defend <laughs> and then <laughs> contribute, right? But uh, so much of what we do goes through the fullbacks that especially today we just needed more from from both him him and Milner. So speaking of, we'll move we'll move swiftly on to to old Jimmy. Um his his start today do you think that he is a victim of circumstance in that he never should have been really put in that position against united or is it just the way the game played out he became kind of the focal point in a situation where he really shouldn't have been i think it was more so just the way the game played out like milner we can bank on what do we call it? an industrial an industrial performance at least but the space was there for him today just because of how closely you know Shaw Lindelof would mark Salah uh, Pogba would drift over there to defend most of the time but it just wasn't good enough like it was back to the same old story that we've had not so much this year but in previous years where it's just get it just gets lazy and we just start lofting in crosses or long balls when we have like a collection of forwards that are like a five foot eight on average and it just doesn't, it doesn't work. So it didn't seem like that was part of part of how we wanted to play. We just didn't have the midfield that was inventive enough to, to support it. And we also didn't have the performances solid to me. I just thought he was just man marked and defended well. 
Mane on the other side was just was just poor and wasteful yeah. when he did have space and opportunity too. So, I mean, it's just tough because I don't know. We we needed better from Milner, but you can't really single out any one player because we were set up, I think, for a different type of match, and it didn't play out that way. Yeah, I I think it's interesting because if. Even if the midfield, the starting midfield is different, if Milner's over there, he would benefit most from another option getting forward out of midfield. Yeah. But even if Kata starts, he's trending towards the other side of the field. So if our space is on the right, all our space is still, or all our attackers are still trying to go down the left, uh, more or less. So. I think it was just a really strange situation where Milner is now because of how United set up and and I think we have to expect this like and we've seen this in the past too we have to expect that that Salah is going to get the the attention of that side, oh, yeah. that whole side of the defense they're yeah. going to put two people on him at all times and that's why we've seen I think Trent be so influential in the past is because he he does have space to operate in and he does have a little bit more like precision than Milner yeah. does in his attacking. Um but I think like you said Milner's decision making today he wasn't ever really there were only a couple of times he was forced into crossing as his best option. Yeah. Um there were times that he's in space he could dribble he could try to see if things open up. And because he's just not that dangerous of a dribbler and all that stuff, I don't think United were really worried about it. Um, and they gave him the space to deliver a cross, knowing that they have Smalling and Lindelof in yep. there who are going to head everything away when they're up against, you know, Mane, Wijnaldum, and, and <laughs> I mean, even Sturridge, who is pretty good, you know, uh, in, in the air. Um he's not going to get a ton of joy if he's got two center backs that size yeah. on him. So it, it ended up being just a situation where it felt like James was kind of being given the responsibility in some, in some cases for doing something like the rest of the team wasn't finding any joy elsewhere. So yeah. they would give it to him in space and say, all right, figure it out. And <laughs> that's not, that's not James. That's not James game. That's, that's not really no. where he, where he makes his money. And it was disappointing because there weren't too many players. I think, like I said, Mane had the space and the it, it looked like the options to do some damage, and he just didn't step up and deliver. Same for Milner. Like he had all the time in the world, and United were, were giving it to him. So either we try to shift play and go through to the left, or or you have something else set up where where Milner can be more dangerous. But he had the opportunity, just didn't take it. Yeah, it did. It did feel like at times maybe if we had just tried to go down the left instead of down the right, maybe things would have been different. But the midfield, I, I think this is an interesting one because I think the midfield comes away from this game with a decent amount of credit in terms of how they played and controlled possession yeah. at times. But at the same time, we we walk away thinking that our midfield could have done a lot more and that what 
kind of my thoughts about it were that all three felt like they were doing the same things really well. But they weren't, we didn't have any one person doing that extra thing yeah. to be able to be creative. Um, so is that kind of how you came away that we kind of, we played that, we played a midfield that that is really good in possession and really good at controlling possession. Um, but were we, I mean, we talked about it a little bit, but is it just hindsight that tells us that we needed Nobby in there? Or is that midfield just not creative enough given the circumstance? I think hindsight because we came away with a point and it's either it's either Klopp was expecting United to come out more on the front foot or he was happy with a draw and or maybe both. Right. So he thought that that midfield would be the way to go. But you're right. It's it's sort of like last year when we had like the Hendo Milner Wijnaldum. And even sometimes this year, maybe at the start of the season before they kind of fell flat, but they're all kind of doing the same thing. But they did it really effectively, and maybe Naby starts, and we don't have that type of control, and, and United sneak in a goal, and and we lose, right? So hindsight's very important, but the the midfield, the, this midfield did, they played to their strengths, and they did what they're designed to do. The fact that they weren't creative, we know that, like aside from maybe Fabinho. And what his look for Mane in in the first match against United this season, it almost looked like United were, were prepping for that, right? Like he was looking up to see Salah, Mane, or Firmino make a run in space, and it just wasn't there. So aside from that, like Henderson got forward a few times. Wijnaldum did incredibly well, as he always does, just shrugging off defenders. But there's a moment where what Hendo's like bombing down the right side, he's got a chance, not necessarily one-on-one with the defender, but that's all between him and playing in a ball. And it just kind of gets deflected out for a corner. And I thought, God, if that would have been like, if that would have been Keita right there, we probably have a clear cut chance. Right. Right. But that's just the way it fell. You can't look at this midfield and say that any of them played poorly. Right. But we needed more. And it was just it was just way too late. And even when Shakiri came on, nothing really changed. He was just kind of out he was further out wide and nothing really happened. So Navi was the player or even like the way that the game was going, I don't think Lalana would have been the right call. But that type of attacking mindset from the midfield is kind of what we need. Chat comes on and he you know he's more of a forward threat. He's he's typically further out wide, um, and maybe they were trying to use that to exploit the space that Milner had, but it just it just didn't come off that way. So I'm gonna I'm gonna use that to to transition to our next our next talking point. So in the attack, because uh, you bring up you bring up Shakiri, when Bobby goes off injured, um, was that game? Was that when we decided things, or was it the substitution that ended up deciding things? The substitution Sturridge coming on for Firmino. There's only what there's three options here. Either you bring in Nabby or Shaq, you bring in Nabby in the midfield, and no, I don't even think that's an option at the time. Like when Firmino goes down. The option is you either bring on Shakiri, yep, and you push Salah over out wide, or you bring on Sturridge or Origi. So yep. I don't know. 
even going back, like, what do you, what do you change in that situation? I saw some that said maybe Origi might have been the better shot because he plays the channels better than Sturridge, but but I don't know. Like, if if you or I have the choice to get like what like a solid 70, 70, 80 minutes out of Sturridge, we're probably taking that because we know the quality, and it looked like we probably need some. Uh, you know, a moment of magic to break him down. So I don't know. Was it, was Firmino the game changer? It, it's hard to say cause he went out so early, but even, even early on that, you know, we weren't, we weren't necessarily generating a lot. And to me, like Nabby being in that match, if we could go back and do something over again, you still have Sturridge or Firmino on, but you just bring on Nabby even Nabby for Henderson, who I thought played well, you bring Nabby yeah. for Henderson on or you start Nabby to to try to change or impact that game in a positive way and didn't happen. I I hindsight is obviously part of this. It's it's yeah. part of the reason that we review things, we look back, you analyze. But um in this case, so at the bar against Bayern, um I was talking to talking to the guys and I I did say so I obviously you know I am a Sturridge fan we've both <laughs> we have we have done it's well documented we have done shots to celebrate a Sturridge goal um <laughs> but I think I think at this moment in time given what Sturridge brings to the team um I think Origi is the first guy off the bench, not Sturridge. And that's just my, that is my, purely from a pressing standpoint. And, I, and I'll use a specific example, which it, it's a little, you know, it's a little reductive just to use this one moment from a, a whole game. But there was a moment in the, um, there was a moment in the first half after Sturridge came on where United was pl- trying to play out from the back. And they're trying; they're passing it around between between Smalling and um, and Lindelof, and they're having a hell of a time, hell of a time because none of their defenders are are good passers, um, and they're all they're <laughs> trying to play out. And McTominay is playing as the six, and Sturridge is just sitting right on McTominay, and he's not letting him enter the midfield. Like he's just he's he's just yeah. sitting right there, kind of moving back and forth, and they're not able to play out. They're not able to break break the lines. And then he just makes a split decision to go press one of the center backs. And, yeah. and he runs out, no help, no like, and no real pace. I mean, he's just not that fast. He's not as, he's not as athletic as he, as he once was. And he goes to press him, leaves McTominay open, and then McTominay has to be fouled because now he's in loads of space. Yep. And yeah, we kind of let him out. We we let him out of a, a pressed kind of situation. That was a that moment kind of encapsulates to me what Sturridge lacks in terms of what we're trying to replace when Firmino's coming off. Yeah. So it's not so much that he couldn't close down the center back or create a you know a pressing situation or create a chance off the press. It was more so his decision to press kind of by himself rather than Firmino's pressing, which is very keyed by the situation and by other players being able to help. And so that was, that was the moment where I can point to and say like, he, 
bring something different. Whereas Origi sent out there with that, I mean, yeah, he plays a little bit more on the edge of the game, I think. He's not as involved. Um, but he does have that kind of ability to to switch on and all of a sudden he's causing problems. Sturridge yeah. not really not really in the same uh doesn't really have that ability now. I think played as a traditional center forward in the system, he can succeed as he did against like PSG earlier in the season where, you know, he takes up those positions, but we kind of asked him to play like Bobby today. Yeah. And it didn't it didn't come off. Um that's Cuz you can't have you can't have that midfield set up. Right. And expect Sturridge even like to an extent like the way Salah and Mane were being defended. You just can't have that midfield because there's such just a massive gap between the forwards and the midfield. So it, it just, yeah, it wasn't Serge's day, but also I, I remember that moment too, and you're just like, you, you've got to be smarter, yeah, right? And I, I think it's tough to compare it to, to Firmino because that's like that's what he's so good at. But it, it was, and Origi does definitely look a little bit more dangerous. Maybe it's just because we still – are on high at that that Everton winner. <laughs> but yeah. I don't know. Is that a problem for us? If Origi's our best forward bet off the bench? Yeah. I mean, I I yeah. do think it is. <laughs> I know that was rhetorical, but it I I think if if a match demonstrated our need for for depth at that pressing forward number you know, false nine, whatever you want to call Bobby, um whether it's in a 4-3-3 or as a 10 in a 4-2-3-1, I think this match was as good an advertisement for a transfer a transfer bid for yeah. somebody who can play <laughs> like Bobby, whoever that is. Um, but the, the way that we're set up right now, I would say our, you know, our front, we always talk about depth across the front line, but Firmino's the one player Firmino and Mane really are the are the players that we can't replace how they try to play. Like even if Shaq comes on for for Sala at any point, that is a more a like for like. I'm not saying yeah. he's at the same level as Sala, but they play kind of the same way. Um we don't have a like for like for for Mo or for for Bobby or uh, Mane, it's not. We don't really have. No, we don't. So if they come off at any point, or they're just having a bad day, we don't have somebody to. Hey, let's you know try something different. We have to change the whole system if we bring either of those either of those guys off, and and if we don't change the system, kind of like we did today, it becomes I think very obvious the shortcomings of the guys who come in. Um, to fill that role because if if we change the way that we played even solid you know if we bring Sturridge on and have Salah and Mane switch wings and now they're playing as like out and out wingers and he's playing as a as a nine then like maybe maybe we would see something more out of Sturridge but it's just not it the way that we were set up what it's it's built for Firmino to be there and and it just when he's not it, it just doesn't look right yeah, well, it just it nothing felt like it was set up right today, and we had you know the four three three that we know and love, but just it wasn't clicking in that regard. And so when it wasn't clicking, and when 
chances or opportunities or space would fall to players and they don't take advantage of it, that's where you get the frustrating nil nils. So, but yeah, tough, tough on Sturridge, but you know, it begrudges me to say this, but, but I think you're right. Rigi looks like he's offering a little bit more and I mean, it's just tough for any striker, right? To say, come on, do the job with limited minutes, limited game time ahead of that too. So, yeah, but yeah. Oh, it's not. It's it's definitely not a uh, <laughs> a condemnation of of Sturridge, but um, just I, I on the day I don't think he was the right man for the job necessarily um, in that in that position. But either side of the striker, we have Salah and Mane, who you know on their day are are as good as any forward in any league in Europe, um, you know, in the world. And when they're both on off form, like they were today, you know, neither playing particularly well and kind of solid marked out of the game, Mane not having his best day. I mean, is it just, can we chalk it up to just, it's one of those days, like our, our best players weren't playing <laughs> at their best and, and we we're not going to get anything if that's the case. The problem was it, this couldn't, th- this can't be one of those days, right? Like with, the league now kind of getting into this phase where everything is like kind of amplified and it's becoming more, you know, once you get past like 10 or fewer, 10 or less games and it's still close, now we can get into and say it's a title race. So I think people are right in their frustrations of, you know, this was a chance to really take it to United and we can talk about how it, it wasn't set up the right way, but the fact is, when when it's again when it's not set up the right way and players don't take advantage of it then it's just incredibly frustrating and you know that's that's what we've seen you know taking taking our foot off the gas here in the past you know four or five matches in the league um granted they've been some tough challenging matches and we still have many more to play but yeah for 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 Salah for Mane to just not not be at their best when we absolutely needed them given what was behind them and the service that was coming in. But then you also have to look back on the midfield and say, well, how do you expect forwards to perform if they're not receiving balls in dangerous positions? I think it was what, like two or three passes from the midfield into the box. And it's just, you're not going to break down a team that's as defensive as United was with with that type of setup, but also with players just not at at their peak, which which is what we were basically asking Mane and Salah to be at today. So as uh, as we circle back around to the selection, and given the way the game played out, did the selection leave Klopp with kind of less flexibility? to make the changes that he probably saw that he needed to, or at least his assistant saw that he needed to throughout the game? Did he shoehorn himself into leaving certain players on the field? Um, I guess the Firmino injury obviously playing a part. But yeah. the way he set up, did it leave him less flexibility to to get to a shape that might have been effective? We got in, not into it, but we went back and forth a little bit on on Twitter where we were like, what, what's the substitution that we need to make right now? And I think the Firmino one really hamstrung us because there was, there were two glaring substitutions. Like you said, the first one was Trent for Milner, even after 
Milner got a, or, or before and after Milner got a yellow card. But also Nabby, you know, at at the time you could have said Shaq as well for somebody in the midfield to come on. He he could have made either of those, but but he just didn't early enough, which leads me to think he wanted to keep control. He might have been okay with coming away with a point because we we still had the personnel, I think, to bring on to change that match. I think if Trent uh, – Naby could have – maybe people are saying Naby could have been the bigger impact sub. But I think if Trent is playing instead of Milner and he's got full fitness, full fitness throughout, I think we win that game. Yeah, but I, I don't it, think that's absurd to say. In, in the fact that none of those changes were made – that he opted for Origi over Sala. I don't know. It was just that to me was just more of a positional. We're going to stick with this tactical approach when he subbed on Origi for Sala, rather than saying we can bring somebody on to be to add some danger to the midfield and and let these players create. So if anything, maybe the Firmino say or the Firmino sub, you know, made it more challenging. But still, the opportunities were there, and, and they were really glaring too. So, I don't know. It it it's frustrating. But again, it's Klopp, and and who are we to right. to challenge Klopp? Yeah, Milner Milner stays on for the full ninety, which uh, I said on Twitter was a a pro and a con because uh, it was a pro f- from the sense that he was carded on twenty two minutes. <laughs> and and played the the remaining I didn't you know was gonna make it sixty eight uh, without receiving a second yellow which yeah I really didn't think he would he would get all the way to the finish line but it's also a con because he you know he stayed on for the full ninety um, despite being pretty indifferent uh, going forward and uh, I mean at times actually dreadful um, and then you know defensively. Okay. Um, so it's at the end of the day, it's about as pure of a zero zero that you'll get in terms of the stats because we have uh, just pulling from from understat um, the the XG. Um, it is a 0.48 XG for Manchester United and a 0.38 for Liverpool. It is about as obvi- <laughs> about as about as pure of a zero zero as you'll get. Yeah, um, they also, you know, on my uh, building anti XG bandwagon that I'm jumping on, uh, <laughs> it's all, it's also the the Lingard chance doesn't go down as doesn't a, go down right. as is XG right. Uh, it's a little bit of a knock, but yeah, I mean that chance. Neither side, maybe the Pogba chance, what it should have been flagged for offsides. Yeah. I don't know. That that Lingard chance was really the only thing that that we saw in the match, right? Yep. And brutal. Yeah. <laughs> it's just abysmal, right? You can't yeah. and that's that's been the more worrying trend is not so much a draw at home to Bayern, but just really an overall dip in in our XG yeah. and, and what we've been able to generate too. So, you know, part of it is is the matchups, right? We've come, you know, Leicester, West Ham, United, some shifty defensive teams. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, looking forward, we've got we've got some really good opportunities uh, 
not just to go top, but maybe if 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 City slip up to put some distance. And I kind of like that about. I think that was Carragher's message, uh, and what was making the rounds on BT Sport or whatever, yeah. was this is this is kind of what we need to look at, and and then if we're if if we're still top of the table after this, then then we've got a reason to kind of be excited and think that you know this might actually be in our hands. Yeah, I've actually got that clip queued up, and uh, I'm gonna let everyone hear that for their I, listening I, I think pleasure. With Liverpool, we keep sort of building this game up, and they should have gone on won it, but. It's, it's the week. It's not Manchester United, it's the week. And I feel, if, if, and I said this uh, before this game, if Liverpool get out the end of this week and they're still top of the league in the position they have, whether it's a point, we don't know, City will get on their two games, it's a good week. Because okay. this was the week where City's last uh, a couple of weeks ago had that big week where Liverpool were looking thinking, points could be dropped. If you can get through Watford, Everton, then you've got to breathe. No midweek game. If Liverpool are top of the league, then you look at the next two fixtures, and then there's the big international break, and then it really kicks in. But if Liverpool can get to the end of the uh, on March the fourth, the day after Everton game, and the top of the league, they are in a great position to go and win the league. So that's that's Jamie Carragher kind of injecting some ration rationality back <laughs> into the uh, conversation, as obviously. So much of the conversation now revolves around, you know, teams being bottlers and frauds and, and, and the like. Uh, we have, you know, Jamie, Jamie just talks about the, as he says, we're still top of the league. That's important to remember. Yeah. Um, and we are uh, going into a couple of very winnable games against, against Watford and Everton. So with that in mind, who... And I'm not going to let you say Milner because I think everybody's first actual player out of the United team, uh, the team, you know, the team that played United, uh, would be James Milner. You know, with Trent coming in, who's that next? Who would be the next change that you make for the for the Watford game uh, midweek? I'm going to go out on a limb here, really risky move, and say Firmino. Okay. Just because he left on crutches. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's hurt. Yeah, that uh, he did leave on crutches. and that's... We haven't really talked about that today, and I think we're both just subconsciously like putting it in the back of our minds and not wanting to bring it up. But if it's just precautionary, uh, you know, it looked like Firmino just kind of rolled his ankle, which, you know, typically if, if there's no actual like damage, then yeah, maybe you need crutches or something to get out of there. Swelling goes down, he's good to start, right? But if Firmino's healthy, I think I think we got to say Henderson, right? I think you, you – and again, this is, this is the, 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 the peak Hendo is kind of what we saw today. Played really well, but if you've got the choice between Naby, Wijnaldum, as good as Wijnaldum's been this season, and Fabinho, Henderson is the odd guy out. And that's no disrespect to Henderson because each three of those players are like kind of big money signings that, that we brought in. Well, not, not yeah. quite as much, but, but, but that's his balance and that's his role and I think he's okay with it. If that happens, I know that people are going to make it out to be like, oh, Klopp's sitting him because you know Henderson went off and like didn't hug Klopp or something immediately and all that bullshit <laughs> that popped up. But I think – we. We know it's Henderson. Maybe you've got a different take on it, but within that eleven, aside from Milner, 
Henderson is the weakest. And that's not a knock to Hendo because we are both both pro Hendo. Yeah. No, it's uh I mean it's the obvious it's the obvious change in in my opinion, because you've got a situation where you're gonna be playing more defensive teams and like we talked about with that midfield, we we have a a defensive midfielder who brings a progressive kind of type of passing in Fabinho. So he's really the perfect the perfect person um, to play in that position, especially in a game where you are looking to unlock a defense um, and he's going to have a little bit more um, opportunity to do that. But the way the way that things have been going this season, the we would have thought, I think, at the beginning of the season that Wijnaldum was the odd midfielder out. Now, yeah. he's one of the first names on the team sheet. And that's yeah. that's not – I know it's a cliche, but that is that is not an exaggeration. I really think that that Genie is one of one of the players that that we look to, and when he's in the team, everybody feels kind of comfortable about how things are going to proceed. Yeah. Um, Let, let's be honest, though. Yeah. When I, I love hearing uh, Winaldum first name on the team sheet. Winaldum <laughs> is like the sixth name yeah. on the team sheet. If we're all being <laughs> honest with ourselves, right? You've got maybe the art like. Sala, Verge, right, and and Allison, right? Definitely Mane, definitely Firmino. Yeah, I would probably say even in midfield, Fabinho. Yeah, but no, he's not. But, he's not the first name, but he's locked down that. I guess exactly, we'll say well, he's yeah. locked down that position, and that is first his. name. That is his <laughs> first name on the team sheet at left center mid. Yeah, <laughs> or in a double pivot. But so we don't say that. So here. I think I think that leads us to I mean the first so the first name off the bench if if, if Henderson is the first out then then that means that Nobby is the first one in. Um Nobby obviously I mean he's played well um the last couple of weeks. He a lot of people I, I was going to say Lalana. <laughs> get out. I wish <laughs> I wish we were recording video so that we could turn that reaction <laughs> Into gift form, <laughs> and that would displace Antonio Banderas as as my as my top use gift. Maybe that should uh, maybe that should be a, a future a future feature, <laughs> if you will, future feature. Well, uh... <laughs> well, I'm sorry. No, you're right, Nabby. Nabby, yeah, you were yeah. saying Nabby. No, I I mean Nabby's played well the last couple of weeks. Um, people still demanding more. They want they want more from him, but they want him to keep it simple. Can you? Can you explain this uh, this dichotomy? If he if he plays more simply, he'll be more effective. Is that? No, I'm not going to give that any. I, I think there's one tweet that you might be referring to where I got into it with a guy. I am referring. And, you know, Navi's surrounded by three dudes, and he's like, "This is the Navi we need. Like smart, intelligent, like not trying to do too much." And I'm like, "He's literally just had had just taken on three three players and yeah. beat them and it was the champions league like skill move of the week yet no that like that's that's not what you bring if you want like safe play then don't complain about what happened against united today right right but that's why you have a midfield balance of this person can attack if they lose the ball that's not the worst thing in the world for us to give away the ball because then we can press <laughs> and win it back again because <laughs> we've got in Wijnaldum and Fabinho, two players that can cover him for him. Whereas, you know, if that's 
again, we, we don't want this to be like the I'm bashing Hendo episode, but that that's not his strength either. Right. Like he's good if he's kind of got a more free role to swoop in and, and save the day, but not if he's just the last line of defense between forward play and defenders. Right. So they, you can't have both, right? Navi will continue to grow into, you know, the feel of the match in terms of the physicality, when to take players on, when to give up the ball. But no, you need him like with full reign to go out there and and try something. That's that's what I think is is funny. Um, everybody talks about Ox, right? Like when yeah. they talk about Nabi, they talk about Ox and how. This is what Ox brought. Nabi has done, especially in the last few games, he has done exactly what Ox has done in terms of breaking the lines with runs, um, yep. carrying the ball out of midfield, linking a midfield and attack. Um, but some of the things that a midfielder like that does, are they're not going to come off every time. Because if they did, we'd score a thousand goals a season. <laughs> and like, you know, yeah. it would be the easiest game that that's been played. If you could just do those things. Everybody thinks about the moments where Ox made huge impacts, which was obviously, you know, that opening goal in the league against city in the, in the four, three, yeah. the, the, the thunderbolt against city in the <laughs> champions league. They think about those moments but they don't think about the fact that a player like that isn't involved in every single moment. A player like that exactly. isn't isn't doing something spectacular all the time. They're doing those spectacular things at key moments. So that's for Nabi going forward. Yeah, he's going to try risky passes. He's going to try things that don't always work. When they do, it's going to be brilliant. Right, he's gonna try like long shots, or he's gonna try to skill past a bunch of players. And when it does, we all, you know, bug eyes and and like everybody's like, oh my god, like the <laughs> the Champions League where he does go past past three Bayern players in midfield, he just takes them all completely out of the game. When you look at the, a moment like that, yes, like it's it's very obvious his his involvement and his contribution, but it's not gonna work every time. You're but you want them to try to make it work because when it yeah. does come off, it's going to give us a big chance or it's going to give us a, a, the ability to to score. And so you have to take the good with the bad. You're not always going to get just, oh, he just beat three players and then put it in the top corner. That's not, <laughs> it's, not it's not how so, – we know that it's not how the game works. It's just not. Yeah. Um, so – I think we all have to keep Nobby in perspective, but I do I do back him to to get a start against Everton and and I think Watford ever or sorry, Watford and Everton. And I think those are two matchups that are primed for a player <laughs> like him because having Genie and Fabinho in midfield, they're gonna handle the midfields of both of those teams. Like Etienne Capu and Adrissa Gay do not like phase me in terms of <laughs> like those type of players are not going to have that big of an impact in my, in my mind. So you've screwed us now. With that yeah. Comment. Those <laughs> two players are, are nailed on to score screamers now. So just go ahead and put place your bets. Um, but Nobby's going to be free in those games to, to try to pull off the spectacular. And, yeah. and I think 
at some point for him this season, he's been so unlucky a couple of times from just pulling off absurd passes, uh, you know, the screamer against Burnley that should have gone in. All that all that stuff is is going to come off for him at some point and I think in the next couple of games we'll probably we'll probably see the spectacular from with set up for him too, right? Like slow start to the season, some injuries, inconsistent playing time. Like this this is a chance where you can just hopefully bank on him performing at the level, the ridiculous levels of expectations that we have for him. So if we're looking at, you know, maybe previous missed opportunities in, in terms of some results, looking forward to say who what players can step up and and deliver a league title, I mean that that's as good of a bet as any, knowing what we know in terms of what he's capable of. So before we move on to our normal our normal normal heroes and villains segment um, <laughs> here at the end, um, right before we started recording, I sent out just a, a tweet that we were recording a new episode, and uh, that anyone who wanted to send in thoughts, venting questions, whatever they wanted to send in, um, if they were quick, I would include them in. So I wanted to address some of our listener. Uh, some of them are questions. Well, yeah, they're questions. So listener questions for now. Um, so the first is from from Soccer Swap at so- at Soccer Swap, and these guys are these guys are great because they've kind of started creating this network of podcasters and blogs and yeah, all that stuff. Yeah. We're a part of it. Um, it's just a really cool group of of creators, but it also happens to be run by an Irish Liverpool fan. So. Um, so it's all good. I think that's part of the reason we got one of the <laughs> one of the first slots. We had a little bit of priority being a Liverpool podcast. So, <laughs> so his. What about the Irish connection too? Patrick Pierce. Yeah. Sorry, that's just an Irish shout out. <laughs> I don't know what you were saying, but yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's my name. I just said my name. That's all I said. Pierce. My middle name is Pierce. Oh, Patrick Pierce. Okay, my bad. I, early twentieth century Irish revolutionary who was ah, jailed and then executed. So But well, we're really only I quarter didn't Irish. Know my that. dad my dad really just likes playing Irish folk songs, so <laughs> And eating like corned beef on St. Patrick's Day or Well, I mean that's just if you don't do that, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> so uh <laughs> so he he sent just Thoughts on the odd reaction from some Liverpool fans about being top of the league? <laughs> Surely back in August, any of us would have given our left nut to go at, to be ahead of City at this point. <laughs> I appreciate the left nut comment. Yeah, but it's fitting of, it, the, of the podcast, I think. I hate I hate those. The, oh, back in August, you know, would have loved to have been top of the league. Or end of the game, would have loved to come away from Old Trafford with a point. It's like, no, like we're at this point now. Where, let's be honest with ourselves, anything other than a title is going to be gut-wrenching. Yes. It's going to be heart-crushing. So has this team overperformed? Absolutely. But I think now we're at the level that we should be where no matter – like, yes, we can pull off the league this season. And yes, even if we've just got the same 11, we can go into next season being you know up there with City – maybe some others as title favorites. So that's where we're at now too. So 
I don't like looking back and saying, well, we should only wish for this because, you know, we didn't think we were originally this good. Um, but I'll back him on the left nut comment. <laughs> well, I'll say that I think it's fair to say that if um, the way that City has performed this season, if you showed me their point total and said, are they above, are we, you know, ahead of or behind them? I'd almost 100% bank on the fact that we were not keeping up with that point total. Yeah. Right? Like up to this point. So I I think there is a little bit of credence in the idea that this city team is historically good and we're somehow still one point ahead of them. <laughs> like this yes. is, that is, that is insane. Like we're talking about potentially one of the, not even one of the highest point totals in Liverpool history. Cause we're about to, I will hit that by probably about March. Yeah. <laughs> but we're talking about, you know, we could have two teams finish close to a hundred points and, one of them is not winning the title. So that I think this title race is just a different breed than what we've seen in the past. This is not Leicester where it was like the race to 80. <laughs> this is like, <laughs> like we're about to surpass 80 in, in yeah, literally March. That's, and that is a title winning total in the past. Oh yeah. Um, and, and we're going to do it with two months left in the season. So I, I think like we're just in a different kind of era of like these basically super teams for lack of a better term. Like we are reaching that point like it is in Spain where it's, you know, like one of those big teams in Spain loses a game and it's like, well, title race is over. Oh, there it it's, is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, like the margins are city just, lost yeah. a game yeah. and yet it was still about the, you know, the, the points that we're dropping to. Right. And that's what I think, I think it is. It's also a little strange because we have just the one loss, um, (laughs) all season in the league. And, uh, we're still just a point ahead of, ahead of city. Um, well look, even Tottenham like level on us with wins, (laughs) somehow not picked up a single draw. How is that even possible? It, that they have not drawn once in I the league. I, it defies all odds. <laughs> <laughs> no, like because even them, like it's sixty points right now. That's an incredible point total. And there's, I mean, obviously there's a, a fairly decent sized gap between us and them. Yeah. But even between Tottenham and Arsenal too, with a seven point gap, it's just it, it is this season is ridiculous. So. To perform to perform at this level is just completely blowing, blowing away expectations. But <laughs> those expectations change every time you play a match in the league, and you know we're 27 matches in, so now our expectation is <laughs> we've got to win every single match, which is absurd. But that's that's the 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 enemy that City is and that we're up against. To to put this in mild perspective. <laughs> So the 2015-16 Premier League season where Leicester City went and won the title, they had 81 points as the <laughs> champions. They you were, will have three teams beat that this season. <laughs> yeah. They were 10 points clear of second-place <laughs> Arsenal on 71. 
Unreal. The the current the current standings, just so everyone's put in perspective. Liverpool are on 66. City are on 65. In 2015, that was good enough for fourth <laughs> at the end of the season. Just as it stands. Man, Man City finished fourth that season ahead of, of United on goal difference on 66 points. We, I mean, we're talking about a just different level of performance in, in these teams uh, now now in this season. So, yeah, I, I think I can say that we're happy to be ahead. I think we can also say in the context of how the season's played out, I wish we were ahead by more. That's yeah. I think the and I think <laughs> both are I think both are fair. Um, moving uh, moving on to the next. So <laughs> at at Canadian Footy Goat, are you familiar oh, yeah. with this guy? Yeah. So Canadian Footy Goat. So he he's asking a question about specifically Canadian. Well, Canadian North American, I guess football. So the Canadian Premier League is starting. Um, they're starting their own league now Um, okay independent from from mls it won't include obviously the mls teams um but he is a supporter of um what are they pacific sfc which is a vancouver vancouver team um and he says he's impressed with how all of their players are canadian um in that they're trying to develop Canadian talent. Talent is that something that you would want to see in a top level league in the U.S. in terms of clubs trying to develop American talent? Um, is that something that that you would want, or do you? Um, well, I mean, are you indifferent? I mean, you know what? What am I going to say here? You know, the <laughs> furthest down I go in lower league U.S. soccer is when I put on my FC Tucson shirt. Right. Which is still pretty low. Yeah, but it's not like I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm following the matches. I've been no. one. I bought the t-shirt, but not, yeah, yeah, it's cool. Like all of that, I love any chance, and I think social media really helps with this. Any chance to build that all up? Would it work in the U.S.? I don't know. If if we're saying like, how can we best develop American talent? Yes, that's really cool. But I also. I don't know. You got to kind of walk that line a little bit of because in the U.S. so much of ours is, and maybe it is with Canada to a certain extent, but just cross cultural with Mexico as well. And I just feel like that has been so severely undertapped, especially us being from the borderland, that you would want it to be inclusive of any opportunity that we can to snap up, you know, both American Mexican talent and try to lure them over to our side too. So I, I would want it to be inclusive of Americans insofar as all Americans and not just, you know, players with names like Mike and Brad, not necessarily in that order. <laughs> no, I, I, I totally get where you're coming from on that. And I think, I think it's true, especially, especially here where it's easy to think about American players as, the kind of club soccer like milk toast white dudes that we've seen come through <laughs> the national team um yep. in the in the past i mean decade basically like the ones who make it far are, are the guys who have the the 
means to do so. Um, and so, yeah, I think, I think the idea of clubs bringing through local players is always appealing, especially, you know, as Liverpool fans, like the idea of having that local flavor is, is is so important and, and having the scousers involved. And so, so I think it's important to have that same kind of influence at clubs in the U S for them to become, you know, true clubs with like history and, and all, and all of that. I hesitate to limit it, like say, oh, we should, you should only be able to field a certain amount of foreign players or anything like that. Cause I think ultimately, I think you should be able to field the best players you can get. It's just better when you have that local influence. Like, yeah, right now we've got Trent and we're, and we're kind of spoiled in that we have a, a scouse influence on, on Liverpool. So yeah, bring through the locals, but, not at the expense of the of the qual- overall quality, in in my opinion. Yeah, and especially if it would somehow turn into a way where you can tap into inner city populations and larger pools of population where that are just not just historically underserved, just underserved, and, and it's not even close when we're talking about the sport and what what type of structures we put in place for them. So if it could help out from that perspective, yeah, that's great. But I, for us, I think with the direction, especially if we're thinking just MLS, like we need better overall quality, right? We're getting players to come through. We need a better challenge that that they're facing. Um, not we we need both, right? We need new opportunities for certain groups of people, but we also need the the highest level of quality that they're going up against and. You know, we don't have to get into <laughs> how that's not happening in the system, but <laughs> so uh, so the next the next question comes from at CM Garcia uh, Armando um, Chicago guy. Uh, his question is simple: Bernie twenty twenty question mark. Ooh, I don't know, man. I I can't speak for the black community. I have. I have been been close during my upbringing and teaching days, but I just get this sense that Bernie is not well liked in that demographic, and that that gives me pause for concern. <laughs> Would I like my college college loans wiped out? I would love that. Yeah. <laughs> if Bernie can make that happen, great. But uh, I don't know. There's something. There's something that doesn't sit quite well with me when it comes to Bernie. So, I don't know. I I honestly feel like I can't I can't even like comment at this point. Only because I'm still reeling from from the the presidential visit to El Paso. <laughs> I'm still trying to recover. Um so no, I I don't know. I I'm at a point right now of of where I'm sitting here. It's 2019. I got it next fall. So about a year and a half from now will be another presidential election. I do hope it goes differently than the last one. But (laughs) so many people are announcing and so many people are like throwing their hat in the ring that I don't know. I think he's probably so far of all the people who announce he's probably the most likely who could actually, you know, 
rally enough support to try to win. Yeah. But I don't know. It's too it's to me it's just way too early to to tell and I don't have the energy for this, right? <laughs> like, you know, it feels like we just finished the last one. I'm not I'm not even joking. Like it feels like we just <laughs> had an election. I know it was 2016, but it just it feels like it feels like it just happened and we just put so much energy too into 2018 in the midterms that I'm just I'm not ready to to be hurt again yet. I'm I, <laughs> I need I need a little time to recover. So I'm not, I'm not ready to to really throw my weight behind anybody. You know, my considerably yeah. small weight. <laughs> I w- I don't know. I think Bernie maybe just behind him Elizabeth Warren and then maybe some distance behind both of them uh Kamala Harris in terms of what's realistic so I don't know that's the challenge is that watered down is not is not necessarily what the Democratic Party needs right to to go up against a a really hardcore base um but Bernie Bernie's got that uh so who knows it could just be two polar opposites yeah. maybe politically politically speaking uh two <laughs> polar opposites um going at each other and it's just whoever's more motivated but i don't think that serves the democrats well either fair so last question is from uh at Majdu's. why are we struggling to create chances just going back to a liverpool focused question i mean have they not been listening well, I mean, we've been talking. They haven't been listening live. No, they well, haven't. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I, we, I, I mentioned that because how often – I think today is a good representation of kind of same shit, different day. Like things that we've struggled with in the past, not breaking down defensive teams due to a lack of creativity in the midfield and due to just overall lazy wide play. Um, yeah. So whether that's, you know, if Robertson's off his game or not, or Milner just didn't step up, that, I don't know. Like at any point in time today, we just didn't look like scoring because we're not applying tactics that suit our players. And we're just too easily giving in to opposition tactics to say, all right, this is what we'll just try. And it, it's tough. It, it So much of it is just that mixed with a combination of our approach to the press this season and it's been more kind of tactical it's left us better off defensively but you're not gonna (laughs) you're not gonna have Salah winning you know headed chances off smalling so there has to be there has to be the nabby in there right you bring in Kate for specifically for that point of view and it I don't know it's pretty obvious to me why we don't create chances because we're putting in poor quality chances and we're not having midfielders and fullbacks link up with the forwards like we need to. Yeah. I I mean, it really is just as simple as we weren't creative enough. (laughs) I think (laughs) we really, we got into a certain pattern and tried to just, we just tried that pattern over and over and over and over again. And, and we all know, having watched, you know, this, essentially this team play now for, for two seasons, we know that we're at our best when we're 
unpredictable and you know there's there's tons of movement and there's tons of you know there's balls in behind but they're they're not we saw a few today just over the top kind of directionless long diagonal passes that you know sometimes we we found our wingers in space but sometimes we were trying to play these straight balls over the top that just a lot of times they were mishit a lot you know they yeah. just, we weren't really troubling anyone uh with what we were doing and uh i think it's obvious when you see us keeping the pressure on uh, in a game like we do, like we did. Uh, I think Arsenal is a good example. Bournemouth is a good example where the other team, what it, it wasn't that they were sitting deep. It was that we had them pinned in. Yeah. You know, it wasn't that they were, Oh, like we'll just defend deep. It was, Oh my God. Like we can't get out. You know, that's a, <laughs> we're trapped. Um, United never felt really trapped today. Um, no. And, and nothing that we were doing was putting them under any real pressure. So I think it is just mixing up the patterns at the end of the day and trying different things. And at the end of the day, the personnel has to be right to be able to do that. So yeah, um, that does wrap up the, uh, the listener questions. Um, and thank you guys for sending those in. Um, and thanks for listening also. Um, so we'll move into our heroes and villains to, to close things out. And, uh, we we have to start with the villains and I'm going to start with (laughs) one that's near and dear to my heart. So you guys probably saw, if you follow me on Twitter, uh, at two red gringos, if you follow that, you probably saw the Bayern highlight reel (laughs) of Javi Martinez in which he does not complete one <laughs> pass. He has a bunch of hurried clearances. And then he is absolutely dominated by Gini <laughs> Wijnaldum. And I couldn't get over it because there was... If it was tongue-in-cheek, it would have made sense. If it was sarcastic, it would have made sense. But obviously that wasn't what they were going for. They called him... They also used the worst... I'm going to say that the worst nickname in world football, which is oh, no. Javi Machines. I'm sorry. Like he's I'll, a machine? Yeah, that's the <laughs> joke, I guess. Or the, that's what it, I hate it. I can't, and I can't get over it. I, I'm, maybe they're winning. <laughs> I don't know because I'm, I'm so wrapped up around it. But the, the combination of the terrible nickname and the, uh, the highlight reel where he's just absolutely burned by Wijnaldum and they show it twice as if it's like even more <laughs> of a highlight that, that brings at FC Bayern us into my villains of the week because they're pushing this idea that, that Javi Martinez had a man of the match style performance <laughs> when he was actually trash in the, he was only good in the sense that he was, he was like shit house good. You know, he was like, won a couple of fouls by falling over that, that sort of thing like that. He was good at the, the Fellaini role, if you will. (laughs) Kind of clinging to life. Yeah. (laughs) The little Caesars role, if you will. (laughs) Just survival, just survival mode only. 
So I have to I have to put that forward as as my as my villain um, this time around. So he's a true villain. And the next one you listed, yeah, I'm not so sure he's a villain because I have been loving every moment of what's been happening. <laughs> one is I tweeted like city pick up another trophy. Yeah. But all anybody can talk about is Keppa and sorry, like, you know, <laughs> going at it, in the dying moments of, of a cup final. Um, but, but Keppa refusing to come off when sorry, tried to sub in. Oh, who's the backup keeper? Is it Caballero? Caballero. Caballero. Right. Um, I don't I don't even know what to make of that. Like at first I'm like, oh, this is this is kind of a cool plot line, right? He was injured, subs off, he's like, no, 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 I'm gonna stick with it. Had Sari immediately said, All right, fine, good, you're good to go, stay in the game, then it's kind of like a cool story, right? right. Like, oh, he's bouncing back from maybe an injury or he's playing hurt. But <laughs> he just kept going and kept pressing it and kept pressing it. <laughs> And then Kepa still refusing to come off. Like at that point in time, like it's no longer just like you're injured and, and somebody's coming off. It's like he wants to sub you also for tactical reasons too. Right. Um, so just the sheer amount of of just shithousery involved, <laughs> just fueling all of this like Chelsea anti-Chelsea narrative. I just love it. I just love it. So not so much a Twitter villain kind of a villain depending on whose side uh, Chelsea you're on but uh, a hero in my heart today is is Keppa for adding to the Chelsea shit show <laughs> so i i included him under villains in that he's he's a sort of villain in in the sense that he's a player who's refused to come off the field um <laughs> yes he he's certainly not a villain in the sense that i you know it is a hilarious turn in the tale of, of Maurizio Sarri's uh, term at Chelsea, which has just been the most absurd coaching <laughs> tenure that I think we've ever seen. Maybe. Which um, is saying something for Chelsea. Maybe short of who was that? DeBoer. Was that DeBoer at a uh, crystal palace where he oh, God. won zero games and <laughs> yeah. It's it's rivaling that in terms of in terms of just pure absurdity at this point. Um, if if Sarah would have just stormed off, I thought I thought that was it. <laughs> I thought he was quitting Chelsea when he tried to walk out the tunnel. Like maybe he just really wanted to smoke, but when he stormed off, I'm like, this this is it. He is he is quitting the club right now. And then you know, cooler, not cooler heads, but you know, he wised up a little bit and turned around and came back in or, or somebody telling him he couldn't smoke out there. So either way, I think we're all just hoping for a situation in which, and it's not going to happen. Cause sorry, sorry's done, right? Like he's, he's living on borrowed time. There's no, yeah. there's no way in hell that Abramovich sticks with him. Um, come the off season, I'm sure he'll make it to the end of the season barring just a complete catastrophe um which i mean it seems like he's lost the locker room so which is not hard to do at chelsea just to be <laughs> just to be fair that that team is notorious for quitting on managers uh, oh yeah it's happened 
literally every other year for the for the last five years. Um, but in this case, he, there's no way he makes it. But I think we all would love the idea of if Leeds are headed back to the Premier League, can you imagine a matchup between Sari and Bielsa? <laughs> Leeds and Chelsea, just the absurdity of of such a matchup. You've got you've got the spy on one side, the smoker on the other, and it would just yep. be it would be a, a a duel for the ages. It it's a nightmare for Chelsea, and I couldn't be happier. Oh yeah, <laughs> no, it is. It's uh, it's very pleasing to see. Um, so as we as we move to the heroes, so this is this is one. Um, who some people, it, he may have faded off some radars in, in recent years. Um, I think so. I think both, both individuals <laughs> involved in this may have faded <laughs> off of some radars. So uh, the, the hero in question is at Von Stragino, which is a, a Twitter account that made its name in producing videos with, like, people's head <laughs> like people's heads put onto like I don't really know how to explain it I guess without showing it but he would you know insert managers or I the Van Gaal Klopp one was a really famous one he where... <laughs> he has kind of set the tone for digital media yeah <laughs> on Twitter I think it just all of the dance like old 80s or 90s clip of people dancing or you know a, a comedy show or something and then just players or managers head superimposed on them yeah. <laughs> and the level of quality slowly improved over the years um but i think maybe he's just he's not doing as much now because he was a joe right yeah and i don't think he's with them anymore so maybe we just haven't seen as much of him in in recent times, but he certainly uh, certainly had a banger today. Yeah, today, uh, for those who remember a certain phys- physical or a fitness coach by the name of, of Raymond Verheyen, Ver- Verheyen, Verheyen, probably Verheyen, right? It's Dutch, it's Dutch, 11 Tegan 11. So, um, so <laughs> Raymond Verheyen uh, is, a, is a famous fitness coach who spoke up a lot uh, when Klopp first took over Liverpool and was talking about all the injury problems and how he wasn't managing the fitness the correct <laughs> way and the high-intensity style. And he became famous because he had the orange egg, uh, like the Twitter <laughs> egg, as his yeah. profile picture. And even to this day, like he has not put an actual profile picture on Twitter it is now 2019, just for the record. <laughs> um, and so, <laughs> so Von Strugino, in his in his in his genius, um, put uh, he tweeted that you know United had two muscle injuries in the in the first half, <laughs> so he places the egg. <laughs> <laughs> Over, over, uh, like Batman, right? Yeah, over Batman, staring at another egg, like staring at another the egg signal (laughs) in the sky. 
So, so it is, it is Verhe- the Verhane signal. Um, and he did respond. He tweeted about it four times. He tweeted about this United injury crisis in the first half four separate times. Um, <laughs> one of, or two of those times was to tweet an article that he had written and then retweet that article the, that he the had same tweet, yeah yeah so he was in full egg mode um criticizing <laughs> criticizing the fitness levels of united um and he blamed a dubai a dubai training break um on on the reason why they're having so many injuries of course but i i think he's been completely debunked and the batman egg symbol uh was pretty good it was pretty good I, it took me a moment like you had to clarify it for me yeah. but when it all snapped back into place um a true hero this week so my next hero is one that is not often a hero and really this is this would fall into the villain category more <laughs> often than not but the individuals involved make it so it is it is a hero moment so i'm watching the tottenham uh, burnley game I'm obviously pleased with the outcome because Burnley come away with the win. And at the end of the game, Mauricio Pochettino approaches the referee, Mike Dean, flips out, has that whole like heated exchange (laughs) with him, uh, just completely loses it. (laughs) And I get a notification from ESPN, like the app (laughs) on my phone, sends me a notification that says the headline of which is, Manager confronts ref. (laughs) (laughs) And I tweeted at the time that I was like, I can't believe they just hit Pochettino with the local man headline. Like, (laughs) like, what is it from the Simpsons? Like, elderly man yells at cloud. Like, that was... (laughs) That was that was the headline I got from ESPN uh, addressing Mauricio Pochettino's run-in with Mike Dean at the end of the Tottenham-Burnley game. I was going to take offense to this one, as anti-ESPN FC Twitter as I am, but the <laughs> fact that it's a phone notification, I'm assuming coming from the ESPN FC app and not Twitter. Like the ESPN app. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Not okay. ESPN. Then, I, don't, I would cool never download an ESPN FC app just to be clear. Let alone have <laughs> notifications set up from them. That is reserved for for Joyce and Joyce only. But <laughs> obviously, okay. I'm back. I'm back on board with that. I'm back on board with the local man. <laughs> <laughs> the old the old man yells at the cloud. Yeah. So man- choice choice from ESPN. <laughs> Manager confronts ref. Um, All right. What a what a headline. So. The last one, the last one was a uh, was your nomination, so I want to give you the ability to uh, to to shout it out. Just a general shout out, right? I feel some of the 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 two Red Ringos Hall of Famers, uh, Cy and the others, haven't been getting the love. Then again, we haven't recorded in a couple weeks, so maybe that's why. But <laughs> just all he is where he's where I go to to try to get some balance after performance like that. Cause I, when we were talking about it, I said, he's not, he's not positive. He's not optimistic, but it's just, it's accurate, right? Looking at like performances, first half of the season compared to second half of the season, looking at 
how we're doing coming off of like a, a week plus break. Um, and as everybody is sitting there like getting on Sturridge for, for underperforming, he's taken it back to say, you know, the midfield's not set up to do this. Not in a criticism of the midfield, but in honoring like what they're there to do. So, you know, I think we got to lean towards someone else with the Twitter hero of the week, but, you know, just giving him a shout out for anybody listening to go there for some good balance, uh, after, <laughs> after a match, because Twitter is not meant for that, right? It's, it's two <laughs> extremes and size. So, so often in the middle, um, and in a good way. Yeah, that's what it is. It is such a strange place to navigate, uh, especially after a match like this against United, where we are, we did leave some things lacking. Um, but at the end of the day, we're top of the league. So there is a balance to be struck. There's not <laughs> a point at Old Trafford is not doomsday, certainly. Um, but it's also not cause for, you know, unbridled optimism either. So, <laughs> yeah. So that is that is the balance that needs to be struck. Uh, and and side always does a great job of that with with a healthy dose of profanity as well, which we can always respect. Um, always love. Yeah. you got to have the, the passion. Um so that that does, I think, bring us to the end of this episode. If you guys have enjoyed, um, please subscribe on on your uh, p- podcast platform of choice. We're on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, um, and then we're obviously on the website tworedgringos.com, and then we're at at tworedgringos, and you can follow our uh, our personal accounts at Baki Balboa and at Mexico City LFC. Um, so with that, the only question now is how do we play ourselves out? I'm going to go get some little Caesars leftovers. (laughs) (laughs) And then that's going to be it for me. So you're back, you're back for, for (laughs) seconds, uh, in terms of punishment. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like, kind of like our approach, approach to attack today. We know it's not working but we just keep going back to it. <laughs> well, that is, I mean, we can just pick up where we left off. I like it. Kiss, kisses of Miscal for those who don't <laughs> habla the Espanol. But, uh, yeah, from the two red gringos, this has been Phil and Pat. And, uh, yeah, adios. Adios. Juega con mi amor, provoque tiki tiki con nuestro seductor. Besos de mezcal, juega con mi amor, dame un beso reposado pa'